How can children with limited life or at end of life be cared for during these difficult times? In today's story, a local organization gives support in the form of a little bit of happiness. Stay tuned. Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week I bring you stories that inspire, educate, and give you hope. I want to thank my sponsor and podcast producer, the Motivated Mind Group. Providing support and care for children with limited life or at end of life can be challenging. Giving these children and their families even the smallest bit of comfort and happiness can make all the difference. My guest today is Tracy Leonard Warner, Executive Director of Ryan House, a local nonprofit that enriches the quality of life and creates cherished memories during these most challenging of times. Welcome to Stories of Hope, Tracy. Good afternoon, Christine. It's good to see you. We finally connected, and I am so glad. Now, you are a um, representative for Ryan's House. Ryan House, excuse me. I say Ryan's like it's plural. That's okay. No S. You're right. Ryan House provides and supports children with limited life and end-of-life stories. Please tell me more what that means. Sure. All of the kids that Ryan House serves have some type of life-limiting condition. So if all goes as physicians expect that they would, um, our kids aren't expected to live into adulthood. Um, And that may be a genetic disorder. It may be um, that there was a traumatic accident. It could be all kinds of things. Um, It could be a terminal illness. Um, And so the primary service that we provide is respite. And we provide a break for families. Care for our kids is 24-7. They're very medically fragile. And these are kids whose family members, whoever is caring for them, whether that's mom and dad or single mom or grandparents, single grandparent, foster care, whoever it is, really have become their nursing staff. And so to get a break, it's not like these are kids who you can just leave with grandma and grandpa for the weekend because grandma and grandpa don't feel comfortable giving that level of care. And so they come to us. Um, we're kind of a cross between summer camp, grandma's house, and Disneyland. Oh, those and, like two fun things. Right. Well, how do and, you actually provide the comfort? You already talked about how it's not for everybody to take care of a child that's sick. Right. How do you support and give the comfort to a child because their safety is usually their home? Now you're taking them into a different scenario and a different place that they have to call home for however long. How do you provide them that support to feel safe? Sure, so our kids have short stays. So it could be anywhere from two to seven days is kind of our typical. Families can utilize up to 28 days a year, however they need to, but it really is a home-like environment. Um, And we have a full nursing staff. And so when kids come to us, we're able to provide that level of care, that nursing level of care that they truly need. Um, And that way, whoever their caregiver is can truly go get a break. That way they can rejuvenate, refresh, and be able to care for their child again when they come home. And you talk about a break. We could all use breaks from a lot of different things. But kids, they don't get a chance to actually take a break from their illness or, as we already mentioned, their end of life, which is unfortunate. It is what happens in our lives. But it's one of those things where you make their lives that much more comfortable, I'm certain. So how does the staff um, do that? 
I mean, it's not just about having the atmosphere and having the nurses. I mean, how are they actually providing that? Sure. So in addition to our nurses, we have a child life specialist on staff. We also have community members who come in and volunteer with our kids. And so there's always something fun going on in the house. Um, When I say Disneyland, it really is. Um, Our child life specialist is great about working with our kids if they are verbal to tell him what they want to do during their stay. If they're not, he'll work with their families to figure out what is it that they love. Um, Some of our kids have been coming since they were little and we know them well. Mm -hmm. We know what they like and don't like. But we just had a couple of teenage boys who were in the house and we had a um, chopped cooking competition while they were there. We actually brought in a community chef um, and they each got their basket of supplies and they had teams and they had a competition against each other. It's really about creating memories. Mm -hmm. Memories for our kids, memories for their families, and a chance for them to be kids. This is a place where they don't have to think about their illness. Um, One of our teens recently said to me that, you know, when he's at school and in his kind of regular community, he spends a lot of time and energy trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. And at Ryan House, he doesn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Everybody accepts him the way he is, um, and he feels comfortable comfortable in that. And he's a kid who really has come out of his shell, which is amazing to see. And for kids, that's a big deal. Yeah. And again, you talked about fitting in. If we'd all just sit there and say, we don't have to worry about fitting in. This is just who we are. But we know that that's not the, the way it's actually going to happen. Yeah. But being in an atmosphere that says, I'm different. I have something different going on. And you're making them feel like, no, you don't have anything different going on. This is just what's going on with you at this time. The nice thing, too, is um, with one of our partners, we provide um, support services to siblings. And it really gives them a chance to have that conversation, too. Mm. You know, they're in a family situation where they have a sibling who's medically fragile and you know, probably has some type of terminal condition. And they get to talk about that. They get to interact with other kids who are in the same situation so that they don't have to act like they might at school, you know, where things are a little bit different in their family. They're with other kids who their families are very much like theirs. Absolutely. So partnering. So how do you collaborate and who do you collaborate in the community? Sure. So our major partner, our major care partner is Hospice of the Valley, Mm -hmm. and they help us provide our clinical care, particularly on the end of life side. Um, But all of our clinical nursing staff is overseen by Hospice of the Valley. Um, There is a bereavement program called New Song, which is also umbrellaed under Hospice of the Valley. Um, and they help us provide bereavement support and that sibling support services to our families as well. And then um, we do a lot of collaboration, especially on the physician and medical side with Phoenix Children's Hospital, um, with other children's hospitals in town, and then with other organizations like Make-A-Wish. Um, you know, all of our kids have some type of terminal life-limiting condition, and so almost all of them qualify for a wish. Um, and so making sure that those referrals go in. Um, and sometimes we've done wishes at the house. We have had a teenager who was on hospice service who was supposed to do a -a make-a-wish at the beach and unfortunately was too ill to get to the beach. Well, we have a pool. So uh, we always, I call it our secret weapon. It's a little indoor pool and it's perfect. Um, And we had a beach party at the house. So we were able to do her wish there. We've had um, another teenager who wanted to do a shopping spree um, and needed to have a nurse alongside to deal with some of her medical things. And so one of our nurses was able to go with her on the shopping spree 
and help to make that wish happen. So we've done a lot of collaboration with a lot of partners in town, which is just wonderful. And then we have an amazing community of support. Um, None of our um, respite and palliative care services are reimbursed by insurance. Um, And so it's all through philanthropy and it's all from our community. I mean, we exist because our community is here and supports us. And you mentioned how it exists. Where did this come from? I know I don't even know how long Ryan House has been in sure. existence. So um, we've been open since March of 2010, so 13 and a half years. Um, Ryan Cotter was actually born while his parents, Jonathan and Holly Cotter, were living in England. And um, about eight or nine months old, Ryan was diagnosed with something called spinal muscular atrophy, which is a form of muscular dystrophy. And he was referred to a place called Helen House for hospice services. Mm-hmm. At the time, they didn't think that Ryan would live past his second birthday. Mm-hmm. And so he went, his family went, um, wasn't sure about it at first. Holly actually didn't want to go. Jonathan went and checked it out and came home and said, they're not waiting for kids to die. They're living life. Oh, whatever time that. that is and whatever that looks like for each child and family, that's what's happening at Helen House. They went and they fell in love with the model of care. Right around Ryan's second birthday, they decided to move back to the United States. Jonathan had grown up here in Phoenix and Holly had grown up in Tucson. So they made the decision to come back to Phoenix. And they started looking for Phoenix's version of Helen House because why wouldn't that amazing model of care exist? Well, at the time it didn't exist anywhere in the United States. And so they started talking to family and friends about their experience. And one thing kind of led to another, and they kind of met the right people at the right time. They met Linda Hunt, who was CEO at St. Joe's at the time, who said, you know what? We have a piece of property we would like to donate to this endeavor. And they had a conversation with Susan Goldwater Levine, who was CEO at Hospice of the Valley. And she said, we'd love to build the house on that property. Oh, that's wonderful. So that's how the house came to be. There's actually an adult hospice unit on the second floor. And our pediatric program is on the first floor. And I'm assuming Ryan is still around. He actually passed away in 2018 at the age of 17 and a half. Okay. So long outlived the prognosis of two years, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately is no longer with us. Did he spend most of his time at the Ryan house? You know, it's funny. He spent a lot of time when he was younger. And then like a lot of teens, he had other things that he wanted to do (laughs) as he got to be a teenager. When I became executive director in 2018, I used to joke um, that if it involved the Diamondbacks or Dutch bros, I could count on Ryan to say he'd come (laughs) with me. Uh, But anything else was out of the question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. And where are you located? So we are in Central Phoenix. We are um, on St. Joe's campus just off of Central and Thomas. So you've told me about Ryan Mm -hmm. and you've told me about the staff and the the founding of it and the the cook-off. I love that. Yes. Give me another story. Sure. Um, Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny because um, I started my career in pediatrics on the clinical side. And then I joke I happened into adult health care and after 20 years got smart and came back to pediatrics, (laughs) I walk out of my office door and there could be wheelchair races in the hallway. There could be karaoke in the living room. I mean, it's just every day in the house is different. And some of our kids are, um, you know, have different functioning levels and some aren't verbal, but we've got amazing space where we can really customize it to those children's ability. So we have a new, 
what we call the Magic Table, which is an interactive projector system where um, there's a game, there's lots of games, but there's a game that's um, a bubble bath and you can push the little um, plastic boat around, but it's not, it's just virtual on a table, which is amazing. Um, and we've got a whack-a-mole game on there that's just a lot of fun. Um, so we've got um, equipment and space throughout the house. We have our pool, we have a story of me room that's a multimedia room, also the largest screen in the house, so our teens use it for video games. We've got a craft room and a music room and a sensory room. Um, all the theme of the house is summer camp. Mm -hmm. And so our kitchen is the S'mores Cafe. Our bathtub room is Lake Squeaky Clean. Sounds like there's um, not just memories being made, there's actually some friendships being made too. Absolutely. We have kids who um, do their stays together. Their parents will book their stays together because that's when they spend time together. Because if you can imagine having a child who's full care at home, having their friend who's full care stay over for a sleepover is difficult. Absolutely. So we have kids who do sleepovers at the house. Um, and that way they're there together and our staff can take care of them while they are. So you've talked about the kids, you've talked about the siblings and the fun things that go on. What about the parents? How do you help the parents? So we know from research that the divorce rate among parents of kids with these high of special needs, depending on the research you read, is 90-something percent. And our program helps them to spend time together, not only together, but with other siblings. We know also from research that siblings of kids with these high needs really suffer because they don't get some of the attention that they need. Mm -hmm. And so this gives family that time to be a family mm -hmm. and to spend time with each other um, and not have to worry about another child's specific medical needs. Um, we'll have families that will take a trip. Um, we have one little girl who was um, unfortunately in a very bad car accident when she was little and became a quadriplegic. Oh, wow. um, her siblings love roller coasters and she does not like them. She oh. doesn't like spending a lot of time outside. Okay. She overheats easily. And she would rather come spend a week at Ryan House and kind of run the show while she's there <laughs> and let her siblings go with mom and dad and ride their roller coasters. And so everybody gets kind of what they need out of it. And our families do all kinds of things. We have a single mom of two teenage boys. And most stays during the year, she says she goes home and she reads a book she sleeps and she cleans the house because with two teenage boys, she can't get any of that done. Yeah. And then once a year, she takes a trip with her girlfriends. That is remarkable. Yeah. Life already has enough stresses in it, don't you agree? Absolutely. And then you add the unexpected yeah. that will uh, definitely put you for a, bring you for a loop. Yeah. And then for you to be able to give that relief to parents, and, and you're right, there is a divorce rate that's high on a lot of different levels of things that happen in people's lives because you just don't know what to do or how to do it or that there's a resource and to help you. It's stressful. Mm -hmm. I mean, having these kids is stressful. And so whatever we can do to help reduce that stress for those families, that's what we're really about. How can the community help you? Sure. So we have um, a few events during the year. Coming up on November 5th is our run for Ryan House at Mesa Riverview Park. So you don't have to run, you can walk. We um, allow strollers and wheelchairs and the whole nine yards. Um, but at ryanhouse.org, people can register for the run. Um, we've got a gala in December and our community breakfast next March. Um, but we're always looking for donations. That could be monetary, that could be in kind. Um, in that wonderful S'mores Cafe, we have a walk-in pantry and it's all donations. 
ovens. There's an entire shelf of things to bake. So um, we have volunteers who come in, they'll bake with the kids, our staff will bake with the kids, or we have our cooking competitions. Um, <laughs> so style. Right. <laughs> but things like donations of laundry soap, I mean, things that you might not think about. Um, we have a wish list also on our website, um, and people um, will do a drive or just donate a few things. You can even order off our Amazon wish list and have it sent directly to the house. Wonderful. You mentioned the gala and you mentioned the walk. Do the families that are a part of Ryan House actually participate in both of these? They participate in all of our events, especially the run. A lot of families who have lost a child at the house will do a team in memory of their child, um, which is a really neat experience. And then we've got our respite families who will come out with their kids in their wheelchairs and strollers. And just it's a fun morning for everybody. Um, and it's, just, it's an amazing event. We've got about 800 people who participate. We do a 10K, a 5K, and a family fun run that's like a mile. Um, And it's just, it's a beautiful venue, and it's just a great time. I would say so, and I think it goes back on what you said in the beginning, Disneyland. Yeah. Does your staff have to be certified, and if so, how? So our staff consists of certified nursing assistants and registered nurses, um, and who all have expertise in pediatrics, who are all licensed in the state of Arizona. Um, our child life specialist is certified. We have a board certified music therapist on staff. Um, so all of our staff are specialized or certified in their specialty. Um, and then our volunteers, our volunteers come from the community. Um, they go through an extensive training um, and then shadow shifts at the house to learn about the house, to learn about the kids. We talked about the certification that's required for your staff, the medical part of it. But you've already talked about there's an end of life that happens too. So how are they equipped for the emotional part of it, such as death? I think in my career in healthcare, you quickly realize that there are different people who are meant to be different places. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are very comfortable taking care of patients with Alzheimer's. Some people are very comfortable taking care of kids who are ill. Some kids, it could be any of the, right, any of the people who need care, but very often you gravitate towards where you feel comfortable. Um, And one of the amazing things, I had lunch with one of our nurses not that long ago, and she said to me that she's so fortunate to be able to be at Ryan House, where not only is she doing pediatric hospice, but she has the respite side of it too. Because like I mentioned, it could be wheelchair races or karaoke or whatever might be happening, and it does help to lighten that mood in the house. Um, There are hard days, I am not gonna lie. Um, There are hard cases, there are hard days. Sometimes it's one right after another, which is tough on our staff. I think we do a really good job and our clinical team and our clinical director does a really good job of checking in with those staff. They have resources available to them on the emotional support side should they need it. When we have really heavy cases or really difficult cases or even like when Ryan passed away, Mm -hmm. we did debriefings with our staff. Um, We provided extra emotional support. We've got a network with Hospice of the Valley of bereavement counselors who can 
can also help our staff, which is amazing. So there's a built-in support system there. Um, and then sometimes we'll do fun things for our staff. One of the neat things we did during COVID, because we were all still kind of socially distancing as much as you can socially distance in a you know small facility, um, is we had a t-shirt tie-dye party in our backyard. Um, and people could just come and drop in and decorate t-shirts. And we try to do stuff all the time for staff. Um, our child life specialist is an amazing cook. He cooks all the time. Um, we have a donor who um, recently dropped off some amazing donations of food. Um, and for the kids and the families and the staff that were there that week, we were able to do some extra things, which was really nice. Yeah, because I'm seeing that there's an easy way of getting a burnout. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the amazing things is, is that we have staff at the house who have been there since we opened 13 and a half years ago. Wow. We have some staff who are newer to us, and we've, of course, had staff turnover just like anywhere, but we do have staff who have been there since the day we opened, which I think speaks volumes to the house. It does. And like you said, there's different situations and circumstances that is not for everybody. Right. That's why I ask about the emotional part because it's not just the emotional that's on the family that comes in there we've talked about and the child but it's the staff too because they go in day in and day out with these families and these individuals and they become a part of their lives as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we really encourage staff I mean to really have those professional boundaries and that when they're off they're off. They're spending time with their own family or whatever their situation may be and to do things that are, you know, self-care for themselves. We try to really encourage that as well. One of the nice things about volunteering at Ryan House, which is also a way people can help, um, is that you're never just at the house by yourself, right? There's always nursing staff around, which is reassuring for some people. But we've got retired nurses, retired teachers. We've got college students. One of the nice things is that we're close to downtown. Mm -hmm. And so we've got ASU downtown students. We've got U of A med students who are downtown um, who all volunteer. Our volunteer shifts are usually four hours a week for our college students students we do too so that they're a little more flexible with their schedule but our volunteers come in and their job description is to play with kids uh, which I think is a great job description I wish that was my job description. I'm, I'm with you on that because I have I'm in an adult body but there's a little girl still trapped inside yeah, of me see? so that gives me the opportunity to, to extend <laughs> right? that fun with the kids. I mean it may be doing crafts in our craft room and you don't have to be crafty to do it um, it could be reading books with our kids. It could be playing on that magic table with our kids. It could be walking with our kids. Some of our kids just like to be pushed in their wheelchairs. Um, and we the house is set up as a giant V, so there's lots of space inside to walk. But we also have an amazing playground when it's not too hot that's completely wheelchair accessible. Um, and a brand new swing that we just put in. So... The swing is uh, accommodating to a wheelchair, I'm assuming? Um, it's not, but it's accommodating to all of our kids. Okay. So even our bigger kids. So okay. um, it's a big foam seat, and our staff get them in, and um, it's a blast. In fact, one of our girls, the first week we had it, um, she doesn't smile much. Um, but you should have seen the size of her smile in oh, the swing. It was just, it was amazing to see. That's the best part, is seeing the smile on their faces. Absolutely. I'm certain you probably have a lot of families that come to you and say thank you. We do, and it's, you know, it's so interesting because sometimes families are so scared to have their kids come do their first stay. Mm. So for the very first time a child stays, we actually have a caregiver stay with them for the first 48 hours, just so everybody can get used to each other. Families can get used to what it looks like being at Ryan House our staff can get used to a new child. Um, and after that stay, families are ready. They're ready to have their child stay by themselves. Um, and a lot of times I hear, why did I wait so long? 
I think we do that on a lot of things in our lives, but yes. especially our kids. Yeah. Because we're very protective, especially when they come into a situation where, like you said, their limited life, yeah. the end of life, they don't want to miss out on anything. Absolutely. No, I understand. Absolutely. You mentioned that a lot of times the parents are hesitant on leaving their child unattended. No, not being there as a parent would be. Tell me why. I think a lot of it comes from the level of care that their kids need. And every child that we serve is so different that parents truly have gotten to know what their needs are. I mean, if you think about an infant, um, it takes some time, but you start to know what cry means what, Mm -hmm. right? And especially if our kids, even at an older age, are still nonverbal, those parents really understand what makes them uncomfortable in any given moment and what makes it better. Um, And I think a lot of it comes from that, that when you've been that sole provider for so long sometimes, I mean, sometimes our kids aren't coming to us until they're in their early teens, although we have a new almost two-year-old at the house today who was just adorable. Um, so, so it can be really hard to know that somebody else is going to be able to take care of that child like you do. And it takes a little bit of letting go. And so how are you reassuring them to say it is okay to let go? I think that first 48-hour stay, that's why it's so important. Because they really get to see our nurses caring for that child, our CNAs caring for that child, our volunteers interacting and playing with that child. And it's sometimes I think, again, it's hard to know what it's going to really look like until you see it. And when you're in the house and immersed in that for 48 hours, you finally see what that care is that your child is going to get. And you start to let go and you start to release and you start to feel okay about it. And, you know, it's funny because sometimes we'll just have the parents go spend some time in one of our family suites. And I'll have a mom who says, I went and took a nap. I can't remember the last time I took a nap. Or, you know, a dad who was like, I slept through the night. We never sleep through the night. Or just to be able to go read a book for an hour for some of our families, that's a big deal. Self-care. Yes, absolutely. And the fact that they see that and they get that experience while they're still there physically in the house with their child, but don't have to be the hands-on care, makes a huge difference. So they feel warm, comforted, and secure. Absolutely. Now, what about the children when they come in? I mean, there's a whole new world there with strangers. Yes. We teach our children strangers are bad. Now you have a whole full, a room full, (laughs) a a house full of strangers. And that comfort level is not so comfortable. How do you help the kids get through that? I think it's the warmth of our staff and our volunteers and the fact, again, that we can customize their experience. You know, we can find what it is that they like and what they love and get them involved in that from the minute they walk in the door. It's really cute. One of our moms just sent me a video this weekend of her son, um, who has been coming to the house for a while, but um, they were on their way. And she said, where are we going? And he's like, we're going to Ryan House. (laughs) And then he got so excited about the fact that they were going to Ryan House. Our kids, once they've come once or twice, they know what it means to come to the house and they get very excited. I had another mom a number of years ago whose daughter is nonverbal, who they have the route that they usually take from their house to Ryan House. And there was construction or some kind of detour and she had to go a different way. And her daughter started to get upset 
because she had told her they were going to Ryan House. Oh, and they were. She was seeing a and detour that wasn't familiar with. And she saw a detour with that she wasn't familiar with, and she thought, "But you told me we were going to Ryan House." <laughs> and once they got to the house, she calmed down and she was fine. But she knew that they weren't going the way that they normally go, verbal or not. Like our kids know, and our kids know when they arrive that. They're going to be spoiled. Remember earlier I mentioned grandma's house? Yes. We have very few rules. You know, what happens at grandma's house? Kids get spoiled and then they get sent home, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a respite stay at Ryan house. They get spoiled and then they get sent home. Wow, sounds like a great place. I'll have to come take a tour. I would love to have you take a tour. And we would welcome anybody to come see the house. I definitely think it's one of those places where when you see it, you get it. Just you telling me I get it. But yes, you're right. Some people are visual and they need to actually yeah. be a part of it to say, oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, as my final question, mm-hmm. I usually ask the question of the individual, and, um, but this one's more for the organization. What message would you like our, uh, to leave with our audience in regards to the Ryan House? I think children with a life-limiting condition is sometimes hard for people to think about. And... Um, I think it goes back to what Holly and Jonathan, you know, experienced at Helen House, that we're not sitting around waiting for kids to die. That's mm-hmm. not what we're That's about. Beautiful. We are about filling every moment with memories and experiences for our kids and for our families. And that's truly what the house is about. That's beautiful. Thank you. And I agree with you. If we sit around waiting to die, we might have a little extra time that we've wasted yeah. versus filling it and enjoying it with joy laughter, learning something new, meeting new people. And none of us know, right? None of us know when the time is going to come. And so I think we're so focused on making sure that every moment is just full of joy. You said something about make a wish. Is there a qualification that you find for the child to be able to have a wish honored that you work with the make a wish? Or is this something that's internal? So Make-A-Wish has their own qualifications. So for Ryan House, kids have to have some type of life-limiting diagnosis. For Make-A-Wish, they have to have some kind of terminal diagnosis, which is basically the same thing. So for the most part, all of our kids qualify. Understood. Yeah. Thank you for being my guest today, Tracy. This inspiring story was brought to you by MMG, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. 